<sighs> yeah, I know. Way to bring us down, Sean. This is me quitting the show. <laughs> Phil of always so does that mean it's, wanker in like shivering. a week and a half, it's going to be entirely just my show? <laughs> pretty, pretty much, even. I'm going to be he like, comes in so out of guys, the field. Uh, so uh, I guess I'm <laughs> guest hosting forever now. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let me just put on my voices here, and then I'll pretend to be Sean at Phil. Oh, Sean Vum. Yeah, Sean You have voices? Philvum. <laughs> Philvum. I mean, I can do Nate's voice really well. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Mm. <laughs> he always was very expressive. <laughs> no, he's funny. The thing is, though, like, he is definitely very quiet. Even in person, even when we were at the GP hanging out, it was just like, all right, I'm a super social and loud person, so I've got, like, a million people I need to say hi to. And Nate's going to quietly follow me until I take him to the car to drive home. (laughs) (laughs) So many tangents. Oh, yeah. Get used to that. Every time you hear Shivam laughing, it's because of something that we cut out. And I just paste his laugh in wherever it's appropriate. (laughs) And even sometimes when it's not. (laughs) Yep. Pretty much. You could make an entire episode of just me laughing. That's like pretty much all the time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel Shivan's nickname should be Chuckles. <laughs> <laughs> that is terrible. Don't ever do that. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard, uh, watch Shivam on Twitter. Like after each episode, the first couple of times, he was like, all we do is laugh. <laughs> That's mm. all we do. Man, the last three episodes have literally just, I mean, the episode with Ethan, we were dying for like an hour before oh my we God. recorded. <laughs> It was ridiculous. Anyway, <laughs> I believe he's Phil DeLuca. <laughs> no, sir. I'm Philvum DeLuca. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sean Vum Watson. <laughs> and I hate you both. <laughs> this is Commander. <laughs> and they are Commanderin. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's excellent. Thank you. And remember, Shivam, you brought that on yourself. I most certainly did. Thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, especially thanks for coming to hang out with us again. And we, (laughs) yeah, there we go. So, Ben, it goes a lot like that, just constant messing things up all the time. We put a spotlight on community issues, but never, ever talk about four banned topics. Religion, politics, Hearthstone, and (laughs) hip-hop. I mean... (laughs) Not midichlorians, because <laughs> this isn't. Uh, no, no, we we are cleared to talk about midichlorians. Uh, I worked it out with Andy Hull. Um, he thinks it's distasteful, but it's fine. I don't know what you're doing tasting midichlorians, man, but I don't want to know about your private life. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I just tried some midichlorians at a Vietnamese restaurant near me. 
they did not go with the pho. <laughs> <laughs> so, if we haven't already alienated you, please visit patreon.com slash commander at MTG and donate a buck a show. It really helps out. It's really helping with our Vegas presence, and you'll hear all about it. If you're already donating via Patreon, thank you very much, and we'll see you in Vegas, hopefully. Don't forget to also visit us on YouTube. Eventually, we will start releasing episodes there again. And in the meantime, there's something like 50 episodes up there that you can take a listen to while you're driving, because everybody does that with YouTube. No, don't do that. <laughs> Oh, let's just I get mean, to the show I'm not this week. Lie, that's kind of what I do with my son. I downloaded a bunch of YouTube videos to my phone and uh, just play them through the Bluetooth audio. Yeah, excellent. As long as you're not watching them, shoot no, them. No, Google Red lets you uh, download them and run them as audio. And uh, oh. then I just download them at home and I can just play his favorite ones. And it's a nice oh, way to look uh, at you. So I encourage you all to do that with the uh, Command Zone podcast because they actually put stuff on YouTube. But oh, yeah. <laughs> anyways they do and it's good stuff it's a lot of good stuff the people i play commander with at work tell me all about the command zone and i'm like i have a podcast too oh (laughs) but they are big fans of the command zone and one guy has built a hapatra deck and so he's all in love with that it's fantastic actually so so this is not the wonderful show we have lined up for you (laughs) today This episode, we are going to talk about securing your cards in public. There's a very big event coming up. It's GP Las Vegas. And uh, most of us are going. Isn't that right, guys? (sighs) We even have a, a, a host flying in from England. Several thousand kilometers. And if anyone here makes less of an effort than that, I'll be disappointed with them. Kilometers? What are those? Oh, my God. They're like six-tenths of a mile. <laughs> no, they're more than well, that. Well, I, I thought they were like two liters to the hogshead or something, right? Isn't it? Six Is yards like to the... Four the, fathoms of stone? What, I don't know. Y'all, <laughs> all you Brits have weird weird measurements, man. Yes. That's the weight of a Smurf. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> how many farthings are in your shilling again? Uh, 12.3. <laughs> <laughs> we're out of control listeners we're out of control <laughs> they've gone crazy talking about victorian measurements i tell you it's wild i'm gonna be the end of this podcast i swear to god <laughs> this is what happens when we have a guest host and a patron on the show at the same time it's our first time happy to be here We're going to talk about securing your cards in public because of Grand Prix Las Vegas that's coming up shortly. By the time this drops, it'll be only be like three weeks, maybe two weeks or so from the actual event. And uh, actually, right now it's three weeks. I was going to say, it was three weeks now, Phil. Yeah, it is. So we want you to be prepared when you go to Vegas, and we want you to walk away with all of the cards you came there with, plus the many thousands you will purchase while there. So... To do that, we brought on a guest who is an absolute expert, undeniable, global leader on security, (laughs) a gentleman, and a mighty patron of the arts, Ben Fogarty. (laughs) Neither an expert on security nor a patron of the arts, but a uh, person who's concerned with security and a patron of this show, I'd say. (laughs) (laughs) That's cold, dude. That is cold. (laughs) 
Yeah, are we not art? <laughs> oh, we are Devo. Oh, Wait, man. No, that's not how this Art is in the eye of the beholder, or in the ear of the listener, and I suppose I'm not listening to this right now. I'm making it, so it's a weird existential question. Hang on. It really is, isn't it? Am I the listener or the speaker? Generally, when I'm on the podcast, you're the listener, because I'm going to be speaking pretty much forever. <laughs> I've just had an idea for a stinger. We can have Commander in making out with listeners. <laughs> I come from a Jewish family where it's impossible to get any words in edgewise, so I'm used to that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I Oy come from vey. an Indian family where we all talk and speak and listen at the same time. At the same time, Ooh. yeah. I'm from an English family where we sit around in silence. Very quietly <laughs> and angrily. And to complete the cycle, I come from an Italian family where it wasn't Christmas until a telephone was ripped off the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wish I were kidding. So, uh, (laughs) Ben, how is it you have come to this fine show as a, as a, uh, well, how, how is it you found out about us? So I had listened to the command zone for a while. And they, I think, were the ones that recommended you and the Commander's Brew kind of around the same time. Um, And I had been looking for more EDH content because I'd pretty much consumed everything that I could find on the internet already. And I wasn't listening to too many podcasts back then. This was probably about last summer. And I was working on my master's thesis at the time and had a lot of empty hours in the day of silence that I wanted to just have more EDH content in. And so I heard that there, that you guys were out there, and I listened to you, and I found your podcast to be the most insightful and interesting and topical uh, of all of the EDH podcasts that I had found. And uh, kept listening from there. And then eventually, once I heard about your Patreon, I definitely wanted to be a part of it. So help you guys succeed. Yeah, and we are very grateful for that. And now you've actually spoken to us, your opinion? <laughs> I'll be discontinuing my patronage tomorrow. <laughs> Do me a favor and wait until the end of the month. But um... <laughs> Sure. So what episode was that you first listened to? Because I think that's the episode we should push on people. Oh man, I should have come prepared with this. I have no I mean, idea. I... Obviously, if it got you to listen and got you to, to, to pledge, that's the one. It's the one. Oh, and it's lost forever. It's going to be embarrassing. It's going to be an episode I, um, when I was on my break, isn't it? <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, I started <laughs> listening long before. Well, you went on a couple breaks, I think, didn't you? One was a I'm literally homeless living off my friend's couches because I had to leave my ex-wife's house break. Yeah. And the next one after that was the moving to the other side of the country break. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think it was before both of those, actually, because I remember thinking for long periods of time, gosh, this one guy's funny and I enjoy listening to him. The other guy basically never says anything. And I really like that British guy's voice because he's always saying ridiculous things in a ridiculous <laughs> British voice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a first. That's the first time I was ever told... Uh, or I'm the I'm the one he likes. That's the first time I've ever heard that. <laughs> Phil is really? going to take that with him for the rest of his life. That's the first time I've heard that as well, Phil. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've always liked Ben. 
<laughs> yeah, as, lo- as long as you know me, right? I've been your favorite person. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what is your favorite uh, deck to play? Oh, that's an extremely hard question. So I started playing EDH in uh, over spring break in college in 2010. And since then, I've built uh, probably more than 27 decks. But I have almost one deck in every color and uh, nice. color combination. A few of them have been put on kind of permanent hiatus, but uh, I, I don't really have a favorite one to play because I love all of them. I kind of view deck building as sort of an art an art project. I like making them look really beautiful. You'll find out in Vegas, a lot of my decks are foiled and altered and unique. I don't know. I guess I'd say some of my favorites are Earl the Mistalker, which is not an Earl deck. My Omnath Locus of Mana deck. <laughs> no, and why would it be? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, my point is that most Earl decks are really predictable. Aura, Voltron decks, mine is anything but that, really. My Mono Green deck is Omnath Locus of Mana, and it's a combo burn deck. My Mono Blue deck wait, 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 is wait, wait, wait. a creature deck. Mono Green combo burn? What does yeah. that even... My philosophy for EDH personally, is that you can build the same deck as anyone else. Everyone who picks up Marin essentially builds the same 99 plus or minus 5 cards. So why build that when you can take something and be completely creative with it and completely defy everybody's expectations for it? So my mono green deck, it could win with big creatures, but really the only way I ever win with it is by uh, using a combo and then a burn spell. Because that's the last thing you would ever expect from green. Yes. <laughs> that is So true. you have bee sting in there? <laughs> I don't have bee sting. It, you can't... <laughs> uh, th- there's no way to replicate bee sting sufficiently to... Uh, I guess you could infinitely recur Eternal Witness to cast it infinitely, but that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> Someone is writing in right now to tell us how. Well, I, I mean, I, I could tell you how to do it right now. You have Earthcraft, Teamer Sabretooth, Avenger of Sentendikar, so you have infinite mana with one forest, and then Eternal Witness uh, plus Teamer Sabretooth. You can cast Beasting, bounce Eternal Witness with Teamer Sabretooth, replay it, you have infinite mana uh, from Earthcraft and tapping all of your plants with Avengers Zendikar, and then you bounce Avengers Zendikar and make more plants to uh, tap the the forest. You need you need uh, more than nine forests, but that's not difficult to do in uh, or nine lands, anyways. Not difficult to do in green. I feel like just for the record here, uh, green, and this is the reason I hate it. <laughs> that sounds that amazing sentence. and I want to do this forever <sighs> I've done that a lot actually but that I don't do it with bee sting <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Morrow is crying somewhere right now just going yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> so another yeah. aspect of how I like to play is I like everyone to enjoy the game as much as possible while still playing like everyone has to be playing to win if you're not playing to win and you're just playing to troll people then it becomes rapidly unfun and people get tilted and really salty. So as long as everyone's playing to win and having a good time, I think that leads to the best possible games. So the reason I really love my green deck that I was talking about is 
I can essentially win at any time as long as I have Yeva Nature's Herald out so I can cast my green creatures at instant speed. That and my general just stores up mana. My win condition's squall line, which is an instant fire green fireball essentially. And uh, so I can cast that at instant speed. And the great thing about it is it kills everyone, including me, at the same time. So you have to cast it and hold priority and then flash in Elder Scale Worm, which is a creature that has maybe like almost no uh, representation in the EDH format. Do you guys know what it does? No. No. So it's a green worm. And it has a CMC of three green and four, so seven mana. It's a seven seven. I nicknamed him Seven. And he says, when he enters the battlefield, your life total, if your life total is less than seven, it becomes seven. And damage that would reduce your life total to less than seven reduces it to seven instead. So with Squalline on the stack <laughs> to fireball everyone, you flash an Elder Scale Worm. <laughs> and if they, yeah. ca- if they counter it, you all die. If they don't counter it, you win. <laughs> yeah, this is why I love it should really, The person countering it should be countering the damage spell. Well, that that's true too, but that so won't matter. If you're matter. holding the counter spell and you're yeah. deciding whether to counter the worm or not, you're doing counter magic wrong. That's true too, but um, usually I'll have like Dosen uh, the falling leaf out so that they can't cast spells on my turn, or if it's their turn. I'll just cast Eternal Witness and re- do it again because I have Omnath and I have a hundred mana. So, <laughs> all right, this is amazing. Sorry, I love everything about this. <laughs> yeah, seriously, you you understand that you now have to produce an electronic deck list for us because our our yeah, listeners sure. are they're going to demand it. They're going to need to see this. And by our listeners, I actually just mean Shivam. Yeah, no, I I need I need to build this deck. This is amazing. <laughs> We will provide a link in the show notes. We learned long ago not to deny Shivam. So, thank you. Yeah, yeah you, take you wouldn't want to make... Stuff. Mm. So we're going to talk about security eventually. <laughs> sure, sorry. Sean. That's what we call that one. <laughs> but first... Sorry. Yeah, that was a long tangent about a green deck. The news. I actually came in, and I, I'm just seeing this now for the first time. There are new judge promos out. Oh. Yeah, I I put that in there because they're really beautiful and really are. perfect for EDH, both of them. So I thought that'd be cool for you guys to see. Well, then why don't you tell us what they are? Zer the Enchanter actually came out in March, I think. They're around. You, you've been able to get them for a while. But it's just really incredible art of Zer floating above this kind of like blasted frozen landscape with a starry background. Isn't that the ocean? Is that the ocean? I can't really tell. I thought it was like, I don't know, it's evocative of Cold Snap anyways, which is the set. And it's definitely better than the original art for his card. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It looks really badass. And then um, the other one's Defense of the Heart, which (laughs) uh, was the one I was really excited about personally because it's one of the main cards in my Earl, non-aggro Earl deck. Defense of the Heart is one of the most busted cards I've printed in it. Very rarely. Oh, what are you talking about? As far as I can see, I don't. Is it because it's expensive, dollar pounds wise? Uh, it's like ten bucks. It's like ten bucks, but that man. For listeners like me who don't know this card, it's three and a green for an enchantment 
that says, at the beginning of your upkeep, if an opponent controls three or more creatures, sacrifice Defense of the Heart. Search your library up for up to two creature cards and put those into the battlefield. Then shuffle your library. So I'm guessing one of those two cards would be something that gets an enchantment back from your graveyard. <laughs> so this card is totally fair. It's not busted because it has to sit. It has to sit on the table for a whole revolution of the table, so somebody can easily destroy yeah. it. And an opponent has to have three or more creatures, so just don't play creatures, and then they don't get to sack it. Sounds just like standstill. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That is exactly how this card works. But the reason I uh, I love this card the most is because I played in my Earl deck with. What's her name? Karametra, God of Harvest, and Amiria Shepherd. Um, so Karametra mm. says, whenever you cast a creature spell, search your library for a forest or plains and put it in the battlefield tapped. And Amiria Shepherd is a 4-4 angel for 7 uh, with flying. And she says, whenever a land enters the battlefield, return a permanent from your graveyard to your hand. And if the land was a plains, return it to the battlefield instead. So I get those two creatures out, and then I cast any other creature in my deck and get a planes and return defense of the heart to the battlefield so that I can do it again next turn. Yeah. And it's just great value. But defense the new art is like these two kind of BA elf guys guarding a, a like the heart of the forest kind of I guess this green jewel looking thing in a tree and it's it really awesome. awesome. Yep. They're, well, they're not... two creatures, which is the whole point there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly, two creatures. Yeah. So these are beautiful. I'm glad you put them in here because I would have totally missed before the, the show. Really, every time I see judge promos, I'm like, oh, why didn't I become a judge last year? But <laughs> now there's a whole community thing where you have to add value. And besides, Ben will have these at GP Vegas anyway. So speaking of GP Las Vegas, we're all going to that. For right? certain uh, values of we. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll have fun for you, Shivam. Grand Prix Las Vegas, held in, of all places, Las Vegas. Shocking. It's actually three GPs at one. It's on. It starts on June 14th and ends sometime later. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll be um, pretty much exhausted and or drunk uh, most of that time. And uh, we have a commander in condo, thanks to Ben, Ben actually uh, laid out the deposit for it, and just today we managed to fill the last three slots with people we know, and and it's awesome. So, way to go! This is uh, this is shaping up to be really good. Now, without naming any of them, how many decks are you taking with you, Ben? You're first. Uh, I'm gonna try to bring ten. Okay, Sean. I have ten. All right. Jesus, guys. I am bringing eight. And Shivam, how many are you? Br- oh, oh I'm so sorry, man. But even so if I sorry. was coming, I would probably only bring the like, the three finished decks that I have. You you only need Tajik anyway. Why do you have finished decks? I didn't even know they printed magic cards in Finnish. Oh, well, oh, uh, oh. I'm I'm big on uh, foreign <laughs> language cards. Shivam speaks ten languages. <laughs> I've definitely played decks where like. Nobody at the table can read, so I can just say whatever I want about the cards. <laughs> the thing is, like, I like to keep a lot of the pre-cons just by themselves, because when somebody wants to come over to play, it's much easier to just say, here's a bunch of pre-balanced decks that are already good against yeah. each other. And 
then I keep like a handful that I actually like really want to build as my Finnish decks and then my Swedish decks and my Dutch decks. Uh huh. But I'm not coming. So I'm going to be at home, uh, sleeving cards or something. And this year playing the role of Sean Watson is Shivam Butt. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so what we will do is we'll call you Shivam. <laughs> We may or may not be entirely sober, but we'll definitely call you. We'll FaceTime you. We'll loop you in. At GP Vegas, it's probably time that we said this because I don't know how many more episodes we're going to have before Vegas, but we'll be doing some live streams. So you should be following us on Twitter to make sure that you catch all of those alerts. We are very likely to just sort of spontaneously break out into a live stream. Sean and I are driving five hours from Los uh, Los Angeles to Las Vegas. So we're going to, Sean, I'm telling you this for the first time, we're going to end up streaming in the car. And nice. Not, not that kind of stream. Don't cross the streams. So we'll be streaming from the car and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. So you've seen Fear and Loathing, right? Yeah? <laughs> of yeah? course. Seen it. I've seen it. I've read it. It's beautiful. We're going to live it, baby. Get the mescaline. Mescaline is the only way to fly. The bats! The bats! (laughs) And uh, I already deeply suspect a lot of Americans are lizard men, so... Yeah. Well, Sean, as your counsel, I uh, suggest you not use mescaline on the air again. So, yeah, GP Las Vegas, and... Uh, we're also going to have playmats there. Anybody will have, you know, I, I know Sean and I will have our very own playmats that we're going to ask people to sign them, do all sorts of crazy stuff. I will draw stick figures pooping on Ashnod's altar, and Sean will draw just pretty much anything as well. So <laughs> come to Vegas, come up to us, play with us, and we'll probably be having prize giveaways of the special GP Vegas mat we, uh, we're releasing. And also, uh, to those of you guys going to GP Vegas, I definitely highly encourage you to go visit the artist booth. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of really cool artists are going to be there hanging out, and you'll be able to get all of your favorite cards signed. And if you're like me, you would go and get yourself some soldier tokens for your uh, favorite Tajik deck made by your favorite artist on the back of cards. Like, it's so much fun to... It feels like an actual magic con as opposed to just like a tournament. Like, it's almost like the rest of the stuff is going to be far more interesting than the tournament itself. Yeah. Those of uh, you interested, it was about 2011, I'm told. I wasn't into magic again at that point. But it was around 2011 when GPs started turning into more of that con atmosphere as opposed to just being a tournament. And finally, we have Arch Enemy 2017 spoilers. I haven't seen those, but we'll include the link to them in the show notes if you still haven't seen it by next Wednesday. And there are apparently no new cards, but I bet these are fun decks. Arch enemy Nicole Bolas. <laughs> yeah, so it turns out that they didn't actually spoil the decks, unfortunately. They just said that there's going to be four Planeswalker cards included with them. So like one Nicol Bolas deck and then three decks against you know, I him, believe I it was like Gideon and Chandra and somebody else. I saw it on a website yeah. that was uh, advertising a preview, or rather pre-order for it. But, I don't know, the last Arch Enemy set was amazing and so much fun. And there's a ton of really good cards for our format in it. So once yeah. it comes out, I'm sure we will speak about it quite a bit. But, yeah. mm. in other news, did you guys uh, see the new commander, uh, well, 
1v1 30 life commander thing on MT- MTGO's uh, updated ban list that came out today? I don't recognize the existence of MTGO commander. I saw some people talking about it, but I didn't. Well, uh, very briefly, because uh, in 1v1 commander, Baral and counterspells are stupid broken, um, they banned Dig Through Time and Treasure Cruise, as well as Strip Mine, because it turns out it's super easy to do Strip Mine Crucible Worlds, and in 1v1, that just means one guy doesn't get to play. Oh my god. Look, look, let's stop. <laughs> We're all getting angry. <laughs> I am not a fan of that format, but we could talk about it another time. I just wanted to let people who <laughs> no, might be no, interested. Nobody should ever talk about that. I was trying to be humorous. <laughs> you know, we have Sheldon on and he says the reason we don't like snap band things is it cascades and tumbles and snowballs into more and more bands. That is exactly what they're doing. Well, I mean, they started that format out and don't, I think they kind of, anyways, maybe that's an episode by itself when we're (laughs) more If we end up doing episodes about MTGO, I will not be appearing on that one. Dear Jesus. Yeah. Adam Staborski actually wants to come on and talk about that. Okay, fine. That would be fun. (laughs) All right, so no, Shivam, in short, we did not see that (laughs) because we were not spewing bile earlier. (laughs) (sighs) Did you guys... Anyways, we'll talk more about stuff next week. By the way, the next week on uh, The Mothership is going to be a story featuring one of the characters from the upcoming Commander 16. So if you're both a Vorthos and an EDH player... I think you would be in your interest next Wednesday to pay attention to the website. You might find some From the upcoming things. Commander what? Commander 17, whatever the new this year's Commander set is. Oh, okay. Tribal There's, Commander. The story next week is going to feature a character that is going to probably be one of the Commanders. And I have it on good authority that it's going to be pretty interesting and uh, we might be wanting to check it out. So keep your eyes peeled next Wednesday. Well, by the time this drops, that'll be out. Okay. Ben, you had mentioned that you were not merely an expert, but you were also incredibly paranoid. (laughs) And uh, you're from a world in which you really can't talk about the things you know about from work. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. See, he can't even talk about that. We brought you on to kind of talk about security. I know you you brought you were very interested in the topic and were asking us how like how we were protecting our cards at Vegas and stuff like that. So yeah. that's what prompted this. You came up with the the show idea. And have you ever been to a a, a Grand Prix? So I have been to Grand Prix before. I've played in Grand Prix and uh, a lot of SCG opens too. Oh, nice! I started playing Magic actually playing Legacy. Um, everyone in my original playgroup played Legacy and EDH, and uh, Legacy really drew me in, and then I naturally jumped immediately yeah. to EDH from there. And so, kind of the reason that I wanted to bring this topic up in the first place was because one of my first Magic experiences at um, SC, the SEG Open in Baltimore, uh, when I was living in D.C., or near D.C. at the time, I was right outside of the... Uh, tournament between rounds 
hanging out with my girlfriend at the time who also played Magic and some of our friends. And there were some people trading across the hall from us out in the convention center. And a kid walked up, grabbed this guy's binder while he was trading and his back was turned and just ran out with it. And it turned out that people who had almost stopped him, he told them that he had a gun and uh, they didn't stop him. And then he had like a car, a getaway car waiting for him and everything. And then it turned out we found out that the binder itself had power in it and ABU duels, that's original dual lands. And um, it amounted to several thousand dollars worth of stuff lost. And it made a really big impression on me that I never wanted to be that guy who lost his stuff. And then I'm sure we all have these stories where we've known people who just quit the game because they had their collection stolen or they had their cards stolen from a store or from their car or from somewhere. And so security has always been of major importance to me since then. Hmm. Yeah. And is that where you learned the value of uh, good cardio training? <laughs> yeah, I, I've always wished that I had just chased that guy down. But also um, being uh, in the Air Force or in the military in general, cardio is uh, forced upon you. Some Probably are born to best, cardio, frankly. some choose cardio, and some have cardio thrust upon them. That's a Shakespeare reference for you. <laughs> <laughs> Man. I wish I had known that when I was a kid, because when I started playing Magic in like 1993 or something, we used to just keep our decks in our backpack at junior high school, and we'd be walking around, and a dude straight lifted my bag, or not my bag, but he like took my deck out of my bag when I wasn't yeah. like when I was still wearing my backpack. I didn't even notice because yeah. I was talking to somebody, and like all of my duels are gone, and all of my like cards that then were worth a princely sum of five dollars a pop and are now yeah. several several multipliers higher <laughs> i remember at gp uh gpla last year when we met for the first time with the commander and crew i was sitting and i was tired and i just kind of slumped over and left my deck box just hanging out and no. the commando dudes looked at me and they're like no Shivam, you don't this is this is not your friend's house this is the yeah. public Anybody's yeah. going to come and take that fancy ass wooden box and you're never going to see it again. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's true. And, and that's it's a good true. it's a good good uh good thing to point out. It's important to have friends with you whenever you're out at these events who are looking out for you, especially when you're getting tired and maybe not being as vigilant um as you should be. Yeah. Ben, you this was essentially your idea for the show, so why don't you kind of take it take us through it? You've got some general security tips, and then we go into specific, like, magic security, how we're locking down our our decks and so forth. And you do some really special stuff that we'll get to. I just want to tease our listeners right there. Yeah, I got to say, we, we see a lot of these show notes before each show, and this is the most interesting set of show notes I've ever read. So uh, I'm actually looking forward to hearing this. How do you like that, Ben? Yeah, that Ben, it's more interesting than when I just put, oh, uh, talk about some cards and shit, I don't know. <laughs> Remember what he told us? Oh, I swore. It's not a swear in Britain. Yeah, actually, th that's really funny that you say that, though, because I told my wife that I was doing this, and she gets really tired of me trying to talk magic stuff at her all the time, and then I told her that I'm not actually talking about magic, and she's like, what the what are you doing if you're <laughs> going on this magic podcast that you listen to all the time and you're not talking about magic? 
<laughs> Tell her thank you for allowing you uh, all the peace and space to be able to do this. Yes, staying well past your bedtime. Yeah, at, at midnight, no less. Yeah. And she has to get up early for work. But anyways, yeah, so go- going on to security, general security. Yeah. Situational awareness is something that a lot of people uh, in the civilian world, especially, just don't really take into account, I feel like, in their daily lives. But it's something that uh, we in the military, and I'm sure many of your other listeners who are also, I've noticed, are former military, or in the case of some, are in basic right now. Uh, More power to them. Go Hunter. Yeah, go Hunter. Keep pushing. So situational awareness is something that is ingrained in us from day one in whatever basic training or uh, commissioning source you go through. And situational awareness means paying attention to your environment and everything that's happening outside of yourself. And that can be especially hard in the context of playing magic and especially EDH, where you're faced with incredibly complex interactions that draw all of your attention. And so when you're at a GP and you're just grinding games out with friends and stuff, you have to be paying attention to who's walking around you, who may be just kind of lurking and watching your game and what they're doing. So what I've found uh, can be the best way to kind of, I guess, engage people like that, or when you're in a situation like this at a GP, is when you see people who are just hanging around watching, engage them in a discussion so that you can keep them involved and keep tabs on them because you're talking to them while they're just standing there. Because if you stop directly engaging them, then you can easily lose track of what they're doing and they have an opportunity to take advantage of that. Yeah, so when you say working, you actually mean like working the crowd, like... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. L- like, like, think Oliver Twist, you know, <laughs> yeah. just cruising through the crowd and cutting people's deck boxes off their, you know, deck strings. Belts. Yeah. Because we all carry them on our belts. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the thing is, though, like, listeners might not understand that this is actually, like, when you go to a GP, for instance, if you're anybody or if you're hanging out with people who might have some modicum of, like, popularity or awareness or people might know who they are you will always have people just kind of hovering around watching your game even if you're not somebody who's known by the community magic players like to watch other people play magic that's kind of like you know what we like to do when we're in a group and when you see big games like this you will always have a couple of people just hanging around watching and like paying attention to your game and normally yeah you're not going to be thinking that oh this guy's going to lift something but when you're in like Vegas or Los Angeles or, you know, a GP somewhere, you don't necessarily know these people. And all of our EDH decks are super blinged and it's super easy to lose track of where that ninth deck of yours is, yeah. you know, when you're not paying attention. <laughs> ninth deck. In oh. that same vein, though. So like I'm bringing 10 decks to Vegas, but I'm not going to bring 10 decks to the GP with me. I'll bring like three right. or four decks that I'm planning to play that time, that day or, you know, for those few hours that we're going to be there. But um, if you bring more stuff than you can actually use, like th- people have this problem a lot with like bringing their entire collection. You're not going to trade your whole collection. Bring the stuff that you feel is most likely to trade, bring the decks you're most likely to play. 
and satisfy yourself with bringing less stuff so that you're less of a target. And also don't ever be so naive as to think, so yes, the magic community is a great community. It's the best gaming community. I think we would all agree that we've ever found the people are great and they're why we keep playing the game, but never doubt that there are people who come to the GP specifically to steal from people. Just like there are people who go to stores specifically to steal from stores. They're high-density, target-rich environments, is what we call them. Absolutely true. Yeah. It's not that everyone who comes up to watch a game is somebody you need to be paranoid about. Right. But there are a few people, and it's better to be vigilant and smile at people and talk to them than it is to kind of ignore them and then risk that they are one of those people who's uh, out to do you no good. And uh, we do that all the time. We end up, you know, people kind of cluster and start looking at the games that are going on. And I always talk to the people I can see. Yeah. Furthermore, when you're playing a game, don't... How, how to put this? So the next topic on our list is Overwatch, right? And in Overwatch, uh, in military terms, that's somebody who you have uh, at higher ground, at a higher vantage point, who can look over everyone else and see an attack coming, essentially, before the people uh, below them who are actually uh, carrying out the mission can see it. So in terms of at the GP... Somebody that you would have on Overwatch is maybe somebody who's not in your game right now. If you have five people, you don't need to have a five-person game. Have a normal four-person game. That's what I find to be the perfect number. And then maybe the fifth person can be the person who's like just kind of keeping a general eye on everything around the table and making sure that any shady characters who are walking by aren't uh, doing anything nefarious. Right. And then, yeah, so... Along those lines, too, if something does end up going missing, it's important to report it as soon as possible. First to event security, which there always is at GPs. And I, the last GP I went to, and actually, well, this was Eternal Weekend in Columbus because I live in Ohio. But they were putting wristbands on everybody who entered the room. So the, the people who are putting on the wristbands and the people who are roaming around wearing the uniform of, I guess it's Channel Fireball now, um, they're going to be people who you're going to want to find immediately and report that, that something happened. And then you're also going to want to call the police as soon as possible, especially if it's a really high value item that went missing. Like some of our EDH decks can be worth hundreds or thousands of dollars. The, that's grand theft. That's a felony. Uh, for somebody to take that, and the cops should take that seriously, and you should report it as soon as possible. Another thing that I've found to be really valuable from anecdotal evidence from friends is it's good when you uh, are talking to the police officers, if you're filing a police report, to ask if they know if there's anyone on the force who plays magic, because any officer who's responding to the call may not be particularly sympathetic to some random game that they don't know anything about but there's actually a lot of cops who do play magic now and i've heard a lot of really great stories actually from cops that play magic being put on magic cases specifically because of their experience with it and they take it much more seriously because they understand and i've heard a lot of really really good outcomes come from that actually because they're able to more effectively um you know carry out the case and investigate it
especially at a That's place great. like Eternal Weekend. God, each of those decks is worth like you know ten thousand dollars or something. Yeah, I mean your, people and, were playing vintage. I mean, there even if too. you look at like yeah. my Brea deck has almost all expeditions and inventions and all these just tricked out nonsense in there. I yeah. mean, it's and they're so easy to just pick up your deck box and walk away because these things are tiny, and it's really really easy to lose a large investment if you're not being careful. Yeah. I'm quite looking forward to seeing CSI Watsy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, CSI Seattle. <laughs> now, what if someone does steal your stuff and you can see the person and uh, you start chasing them? What is, is there anything you should do there? Excellent segue, Phil. I'm so glad you asked. So that leads us to don't be a hero. <laughs> so if the thief does if you see the person take it and you can immediately confront them absolutely do so if they get aggressive in any way i would advise that you attempt to involve either security um or people who are running the event nearby but if they're extremely aggressive or threaten you with physical violence or intimate that they might have some kind of weapon on them Recognize that dying for your cardboard is a really lame obituary and let them go and then follow all of the previous uh, recommendations. But what about things like cell phone cameras or being able to, like, like, if you see your friend trying to chase after a guy, do you think that we should be able to, like, take pictures of them or should we be concentrating on, like, calling the cops and stuff? No, that that's a good point, too, actually. So somebody, when whenever your stuff is getting stolen, it's it's always important for somebody to take charge. Leadership is really important in these incidents because oftentimes everyone will just kind of panic or not know what to do. So if you're the one who's being stolen from, I recommend that you directly designate somebody to call the police. It shouldn't be you because you're going to be the one who's keeping track of the situation of your stuff going missing. And then, absolutely, like you said, Shivam, you should also designate somebody else. Hey, get your phone out, record this. That was that's something that I actually hadn't remembered to to write down in here um, because it's not something that I had uh, thought of doing before. But I mean, obviously, everything in uh, in the news nowadays has some kind of cell phone video tied to it. So, absolutely, that uh, would be a critical piece of evidence for investigating anything that comes of this. Really good question. Then let's yeah, kind definitely. of drill down to like specifics because in uh, GPLA, for instance, I just kind of had my backpack slumping next to the table and uh, Josh Lee Kwai strongly suggested to me that instead of having it where anybody can grab it, I should take it and like run one of the loops around the chair leg that I was sitting in so that it may not, you know, be as easy for somebody to walk away with. If you're at the GP, what do you think? In this particular context for specific magical security, it's keeping track of your stuff, keeping track of your stuff while you're trading, playing, taking a break, and so forth. So, yeah. So Shiva mentioned putting your chair leg through your backpack loops. Yeah, absolutely. I do the same thing. Some people don't have backpacks, so it's always I I find it's always important to put your bag under the table. Um, in front of you, between your legs, if you do have a backpack, 
then still put one of your chair legs or one of your legs through the bag. It's much harder for somebody to just walk off with your stuff if they're trying to pull you across the room with it. And then the situation gets really awkward and obvious. Another way to make your stuff really stand out and obvious, like if somebody picks up a black box from a table full of black boxes, it's not as obvious what happened. So if you have really colorful boxes or containers that you keep your magic cards in uh, or your, your decks in, then those distinguishable uh, boxes, distinguishing characteristics that uh, indisputably say, this is mine. Yeah, I'm actually considering taking my airbrush and painting (laughs) my deck boxes with my airbrush. Just uh, doing something that I know it'll eventually rub off because I'm not going to care about how I bump these things. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, think about how many of us have like these ultra pro silk towers or the very common deck boxes that you see the professor talk about all of his videos. Yeah, mine are all satin yeah. towers. Right? Like, if you've got one, everybody's got one. And it's pretty simple for you to just, like, tape your favorite token on top or write your name in a shiny silver, you know, Sharpie. Yeah. So that yeah. you can make sure. I mean, obviously, don't write on your cards. But if you have special sleeves, pay attention to which ones your sleeves are. Maybe if you have, yeah. like, a unique card in the set so that if... Lost and Found finds it, then they can sit there and say, oh, he's got a 3D Tajik in there. Of course, this must be <laughs> you. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, these are like, it, it's good to always have kind of like, I remember I was at a GP once where my friend had his like modern deck stolen or he thought he had it stolen. And it was like, you know, Tarmogoyfs and all this and that. And he went to the Lost and Found to go look for it. And they had had a couple of decks turned in and they're like, okay, well, what types of goifs do you have? And he's like, I've got two modern ones and two of the future light ones. And then like, you know, he rattled off some other cards that were in there and it was able to identify that it was his deck and they were able to get it back. So if you have like, I mean, we're EDH players. We love to bling out our decks, right? So Every if you bling out unique. your deck specifically uniquely, then it makes it easier for you to get your cards back later. If they get like pawned in yeah. a store or something. Yeah, that's a really, really good yeah. idea, too. And let that be a lesson to those who would play modern. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing to take into account on that, I, w- I don't want to lose that idea while we have it, Shivam, is if you do have unique cards in your deck, the one of the things that's most likely to happen after your deck gets stolen or your cards get stolen at a GP, because thieves are stupid, they're going to try to sell it to vendors at the GP. They're going to try to get rid of it as soon as possible. So then you can go to those vendors at the GP. We're going to be there for several days. And you can say, hi, has anyone tried to sell you these specific cards or this specific deck? Um, And they can say, oh, yeah, that just happened. We just got that yesterday. I still have it here. So exactly like you said, specific cards and discriminating factors about your deck are, are really important. Yeah, you might say that uh, it's a good reason to not net deck because that way you yeah. know <laughs> that your Ural the Miststalker deck is not going to be like all the other Voltron ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is kind of the low uh, effort, low security kind of a- aspect of our topic list. The last thing we have on there is that when you're calling the cops when somebody steals your stuff, remember, if you have a cell phone and you dial 911, it's not going to get you what you need. 
the cell communications actually I believe they all go to like the highway patrol so make oh. sure that whatever locale you're in has the local constabulary as it's known in uh some places that uh, make sure the local police station (laughs) yes and and the city watch uh, (laughs) has its own specific phone number and make sure you have that phone number you'll need the 10 digit local police number for that what the yeah your emergency number doesn't go to the police it goes to the highway patrol not by cellular lines yeah because the way the way uh, the way cell phones work the base stations um, and the providers always route you to the, it's not just highway patrol, it's the state police. And then they'll, they'll reroute you to your local police once they find out that you're not on a highway. Yeah, but so, in these but, situations, every second counts. And yeah, so you every don't second waste counts, time absolutely. With, you know, explaining, actually, I'm at the Las Vegas Convention Center, not on the highway. So if yeah. I phone 999 rather than 911, I get pinged to a call center and they look at where my, if I'm on my cell, they look at where my cell phone tower is pinging and put me to the appropriate constabulary. Yeah, Remember though, Sean, your country is much, much smaller than ours. So it's a lot easier to do yeah. there than over here. That's a good, good point. I'll just, just call the police and say you found an illegal immigrant and ICE will be there any minute. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> The medium category isn't incredibly large, and probably a few of those low-security, low-effort uh, ones belong up in here. Yeah. But sure. this is one where I think you put you put this one in, Ben. Yeah, so just putting a lock on uh, any case or bag, especially, like, Phil, I know you're planning on bringing your uh, Pelican case, which we're going to get to in the high-security measures, but... I can put locks on my backpack too. All bags have loops or zippers on them, and you can just get anything as simple as like um, what is it like TSA approved suitcase lock can go through the holes, you know, on any zippers, and just a simple measure like that can keep somebody from rooting through your bag when you're not looking, um, and save yeah. all of your stuff from being stolen. Yep, it's true. I got the Las Vegas Police Department 10-digit ten, ten number. Oh, excellent. So we'll include nice. that in the show notes for all, for all of our listeners who are going to Vegas. Nice job. So on to the high security measures then. Yeah, and this the high represents effort and cost as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So wh- why don't you talk about the Pelican case since that's your, uh, your idea? And... Yeah. Pelican cases are used in typically in kind of audio environments where you need to pack something away and make sure that it remains secure, both from jostling and other types of damage to theft, right? And so Pelican cases are known for being really tough. They're not impregnable, but they are a deterrent against casual breaking in. And so what I'm doing is I've got a Pelican 1510, which is specifically intended to be a travel-on piece of luggage. And I've used that before in my past life where we had to transport some delicate computer equipment and a couple of sensors, actually. And we had a Pelican case with the foam cutouts and stuff like that. What I did was I just ordered a Pelican case without the foam cutouts because all my decks are then in deck boxes. And I blowed up the Pelican case and I've been playing with it by bringing it to and from work where I play a lot of magic and so forth. And it's serving really well. My next step is to get... Some uh, heavy-duty locks because it can fit quarter-inch thick 
lock posts. So I'll get those and they're going to be padlocks or more likely combination locks. And if I can find it without the key, then combination locks without the key. But I know, you know, that is uh, probably something really expensive at that point and custom. In the meantime, I'm also going to have TSA locks because in the rare instance where I have to check the Pelican case when I'm going on an airplane, then at least I can still secure it. And, you know, there's a modicum of security there. And the the final bit to that is I, I have a couple of bicycle locks left over from like the bicycle chains that are protected and they have galvanized steel and their, uh, what is it, braided cable and so forth. And I'm actually going to bring a bicycle lock to make sure that the Pelican case can stay locked where, where you know, wherever I put it. I know that seems a little bit excessive, but I, in part what I'm trying to do is exercise the high security options so that we can talk about it on the show and maybe do a recap a little bit later. Well, and also one of the great things about the Pelican case is it's going to be so heavy, especially with all of your decks in it. It's yeah. it's going to be too cumbersome for any thief to like surreptitiously sneak away with. And part of the best ways to defeat thieves is to make it too difficult for them to bother with. Because oftentimes people would rather just steal something that may be worth less, but is significantly easier for them to take. Yeah. And believe me, it is heavy. <laughs> yeah. I have like eight or nine decks in there when you count all the tokens and whatnot. And this thing, it's heavy. I get tired lugging it around. But at the same time, that's definitely going to deter casual theft. So now you are doing something truly innovative. Hmm. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So I use Bluetooth trackers in uh, a lot of my decks. I use the uh, Ultra Pro Mana Flip boxes to store all of my decks in. Just because they're what I started putting my decks in uh, years ago when I started playing. And they're really nice, efficient boxes. The magnetic uh, closure works really well. And there's a space on the side inside the deck box because the cards don't completely fill it. It's just like a little gap. And so I met somebody at a store once who saw one of my decks, my Earl deck, actually, that I mentioned earlier. And they are like, holy smokes, that deck's pretty expensive you should really try out a bluetooth tracker to keep track of it and they showed me this tracker the one they had was called a tile and so uh, i also use tiles and it's basically a little white square with a bluetooth transmitter in it uh, and a single button in the middle that you can press and you can connect it to your smartphone to the tile app and there are other um, bluetooth tracker manufacturers there's another one called tracker track and then capital R and uh, it's essentially the same kind of device they all have an app and they all have a little dongle that you put on whatever you don't want to lose and so I take this little white square and I put it in my deck box if you had a silk tower it would fit really great in the uh, in the little dice tray in the bottom of it you can put them in your backpack too so that you can just track your whole bag and uh, you can really you know ensconce it deep in there somewhere where uh a thief's not likely to find it. Essentially, the way these work is the Bluetooth is always uh, transmitting a keep alive signal to your phone, and you can look on your phone at all of the uh, little trackers that you have. So, like when I look at my app, I see a list of, you know, 10 or a dozen whatever uh, tiles that I have in all of my decks, 
and it will tell me where they are as long as they're within, I think, 100 feet of my phone. Yeah. No, uh, well, Bluetooth has a, a variable range that's based on the, um, uh, the frankly, the amount of people between it and the, the sensor. And if I recall correctly, you can actually label the individual tiles. So you could label your tile URL and... yeah you know, the mimeoplasm and so forth. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that's what I did for all of mine. And you can also upload a picture too. So all of my tiles have the name of the deck and the picture of the commander on my app. And you can go, you can select each tile individually in the app and then you can tell it to find that tile and it will ring a little sound uh, because there's a little transducer in the tile too that will play a little song for you so that you can find it. Oh, I didn't know that the tiles were equipped with that. Yeah, they are. So you can you can make them make a sound. The other really awesome thing about this, and it's kind of a shame that there's not only that somebody doesn't have a monopoly on this because it would make it even better, is that you can use other people's tiles and phones who have the same app um, and technology to find yours. So when you oh. If you lose uh, one of your tiles or one of your items that has a tile in it, you can mark it as missing in the app, and then it will instantly uh, start searching the worldwide network of tile users and use their devices to ping for your tile. So it and will does it not show up just... on your app. Yeah, and then it will show up on your app that it has been found, and it will give you a location for it. And then you can, you know, start honing in on where it is. That's excellent. So yeah, if you're using tiles, really cool. I might do this too. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be happy to show you guys. Yeah, that's wonderful if you're willing to show us. Our listeners should be aware that these tiles and all of these solutions are not inexpensive. They're not cheap. No. Compared to the value of a deck, they certainly are because each individual tile costs about 25 bucks, maybe, you know, give or take some, depending on how many you buy at one time. Even if you buy one yeah. or two and put them in your, like, $800 deck, you know, it's yeah. probably worth it. Yeah, exactly. That was my thing. Or buy too. one and sew it into your bag. Yeah. Do you worry about, like, if, if people now know about this, do you worry about them opening your deck box, finding the tile, and just ditching it in, you know, some garbage can? He does now. <laughs> <laughs> so I I enjoy your podcast very much, and I know that a great number of other of other people do too. But I think we can safely assume that the vast majority of the sixteen million or so Magic players don't. Um, <laughs> and even after this this podcast specifically goes viral, and everyone, including outside of the Magic world, listens to it. I think I'll probably still feel okay about it. <laughs> yeah. We actually get 14.9 million listeners every week, and it's, it's uh, just that most of them are in the Philippines. Uh, <laughs> it's just that last million that you're, you're fighting for. Yeah, and those are the ones who will be at GP Vegas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like the professor always says is, if you're going to be spending so much money on your cards, then you should be spending yeah. money putting them into nice boxes, putting them into nice sleeves, and also making sure that you keep them safe and secure. I mean, yeah. these are investments, right? Like EDH decks are not Absolutely. just piles of cards. These are like, I mean, all these decks are tricked out and you don't want to just 
be sloppy with them because you're like, oh, this is, you know, it's an expensive investment to secure your stuff. Yeah, it is. But yeah. it's like one time twenty, forty, hundred dollars to keep track of your $800 worth of, you know, dual lands yeah. and what have you. I would rather just buy a nice deck box and a lock than have to go and hunt down like Russian foil <laughs> stomping grounds or whatever. Good luck with that. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Besides the face value of the cards that you spend on them, like you said, Shivam, I'm sure you guys would agree with me. The amount of time that you invest in like designing and retooling these decks is priceless. Like my deck specifically, I, my Earl deck that I've worked on for seven years, I have literally put hundreds of hours of thought and consideration and play, playing this deck into it. Um, and... I, I want to be able to protect that. And back to your point, Phil, that am, am I worried about people finding out about this now? Actually, if more people start using this because they find out about it, and then more people are concerned that uh, if they steal a box that it will have a tracker in it, which would then cause hopefully more of a chain reaction for more people to put tiles in it, that literally yeah. only makes this better. It's like a, a self-perpetuating exactly. machine almost. More more and more people use them, and they get more and, and more efficient. And eventually, if everyone at a GP has a tile in their box, it would be impossible to steal anything at a GP. Yeah. Because you couldn't get anywhere in the convention center that you would be out, out of range of one, you know? Well... I've already downloaded the Tile app, and I intend to buy a bunch of tiles since that's the same brand you're using, and at the very least, we'll have a network of two. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those. It's like it's like Overwatch, right? Yeah. <laughs> Overwatch. <laughs> I had to do that for Sean. <laughs> Something I do which might be slightly controversial, or at least I'm doing for GP Vegas, is I've created very good proxies of any card that's over $100 in single-use value. If you steal my deck at GP Vegas, you'll only be getting a fake Underground Sea. That's actually to be really smart. Yeah, that is smart. Yeah. But I expect Wizards wouldn't be very happy with that. Well, the thing is, I don't generally use proxies especially i mean at home there's no need to but when you're out at like a giant i mean we're talking there's gonna be like three thousand four thousand people here plus whoever walks in or out yeah i mean if your friends give you shit about it then you should just say look i've got it at home and i didn't want to bring my expensive cards to the show i've definitely seen like uh, magic professionals who would carry like vintage decks with them to you know sit and play in between rounds and stuff and I was like, yeah, I'm like, oh, that's a weird looking card. He's like, yeah, well, I leave my actual cards at home. If I need them for a vintage tournament, then I'll bring them out. But if we're just playing and I've got, you know, four bayous and four underground seas and all of my everything in this deck, no, I'm not going to be carrying $50,000 worth of cards in my back pocket with like right. rocks and jewelry for any <laughs> random casual to walk away with. And at the time, I thought that was kind of like, oh, that's not very nice of you to say. But when you think about it, that is such a, like, what are you going to get by having original fancy cards outside of a tournament setting like that? It's better to be safe 
and to just take a bunch of crap from people than to lose a significant chunk of your income and time. Yeah, it is. Yep. But don't use proxies. They're bad. Generally, I agree with you. But You could always use the Vincent Trong method, right, where he has the original in, uh, in, a binder, in hard right? cases. Yeah, well, in, in essentially a binder replacement, but he keeps them in a hard case. And then when he unveils a uh, proxy, in this case, it's actually a checklist card. He just shows the original, right? Yeah, I've definitely done that before as well. Yeah, that was a clever way of doing it. Or I'll just, you know, write on a basic land, like, this is my underground sea. <laughs> no. no. Yeah. Although you'll notice the dual lands that are worth less than $100, I've got the originals with me. Like, So my scrub lands are actual scrub lands, but my tundras are not, for example. Sure. Yeah. Well, we can get into the proxy debate uh, <laughs> with uh, all sorts of folks. I happen to fall on your side of the argument there, Sean. I mean, it's, you know, if 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 you're going to Vegas and you want to minimize your risk, everybody knows you already have at least one underground sea because that's Demir. <laughs> I have one of each. What else I is Literally, physically, I have one of each jewel land, like original jewel yeah. land. Yeah. I'm certainly not bringing my extra ones, like the ones that aren't in decks. One of the low-tech solutions I forgot to write down was I'm going to, since I use opaque card sleeves, I'm going to actually open them up. And since I double sleeve because, you know, I care about my cards, joking to everybody who doesn't double sleeve, especially one particular host of another show that we love, I'm going to sign the back of some of the cards and uh, on, the, uh, on the perfect fits. And that way, I don't, and I'm not saying which ones I'll sign, but I'm definitely going to sign some of them so that if a deck does go missing and we recover it, I can identify which ones are signed. That's really clever. Thereby establishing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's clever. Again, all that takes is a Sharpie. And hey, I know some people who are going to be carrying Sharpies because yeah, we're going to have I'll you have signing Sharpies. our playmats. Yeah. All right. Are we ready to recap all of these fine lessons? Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. In general, we're talking about maintain your situational awareness, so keep your eyes out for people who might not mean well for you and your friends. Somebody who is not playing should sort of be on overwatch. Just make sure that person's kind of watching the crowd. Your cardio exercise is uh, essentially it comes down to be able to run. <laughs> and uh, so you're not going to be able to prepare for GP Vegas in time, but still... Think about that for the next GP Vegas. Report events to the police and staff right now, as soon as they happen. Uh, don't wait. And don't be a hero. Don't risk it all for a few hundred dollars or even a few thousand dollars worth of cards. Because guess what? If you live another 10, 20 years, you're going to replace all those cards. But if you don't, dun, dun, dun. Unless you're Orzov, you won't be able to. You don't get to play EDH anymore. Yeah, and you won't even <laughs> be playing anymore. Magic-specific tips, keep an eye on your stuff, right? Put a chair leg through your backpack straps. Stay in physical contact with your goods. Don't let your trade binders out. We didn't explicitly mention that, but trade binders, it's real easy to palm a card from it, so don't let your trade binders really out of your sight. Watch a person who's going through them. Don't let somebody you don't know go through your, your binder when you're playing a game. Lock your bags and lock your stuff, you know, 
that always helps and it deters people if they see a big fat lock on it. Have a way to identify your stuff, either signing your cards like I just mentioned or putting your name all over your deck boxes, labeling them with, I believe Shiva mentioned your favorite token. Even paint them. Like I'll get out my airbrush and we'll, I'll make some designs on some of the cheaper boxes. No, some, all of the boxes, except for two. And have a way to track your stuff if you can. I'm looking at these Bluetooth tiles right now, and it's four for 70 bucks. So I'll probably pick up a set of eight, and then that's one for each of my decks. And of course, proxy your most expensive cards. Did we miss anything, gentlemen? I do. Because I do believe we have time for something very fun. (laughs) Wow. If we have the time, we could open up a certain box of wonder. Oh, oh I've, I've been waiting for this for months. <laughs> <laughs> I love what are we talking Sean's about? puzzle box outside of the context of Leovold. <laughs> <laughs> Leovold can go to hell forever. This is Shivam's and Ben's first time with oh, the box. So do you know the rules? I'll remind the rules for the listeners. If you don't. So this is Sean's puzzle box. What's your pleasure, Mr. Shivam? The box? (laughs) You say the box. What? What? Hang on, huh? Just say the box. box? The box? I need to know what's in the box. box? Okay, I'll go with Ben on this one. (laughs) Okay, so this is a game where we play for pride. Now, our reigning champion, Nate, is no longer with us, so it's all to play for, guys. All to play for. I'm still... Not going to win this, am I? <laughs> oh, man, you're right. Rules. This really is the first time I get to play one of these games. This is the best yeah. part. So you start it. off with 10 points banked. Yeah. I generate a random artifact from all of Magic's history from the puzzle box. Once the puzzle box has generated an artifact, you can spend your points to earn information about the artifact. You get one guess at uh, what that artifact may be. And I have to accept your first answer as your final answer. And I am the arbiter of what is that. No, none of you can argue. If you don't get it, I'll pass it around and you can earn one bonus point for getting it right. Other guys. The information, you have 10 points to start with. For 10 points, you can buy the name of the artifact. (laughs) (laughs) Four. Oh god, I've got I haven't got this written down in front of me, so I need to remember this. So one point gets you the CMC of the artifact. One point gets you whether it is a creature or not, and if it is a creature, that also gets you the power and toughness. One point bargain. gets you the set and rarity, and four points gets you the rules text of the artifact four points yes i think i've got that wrong it's two 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 oh yeah yeah. so you should always be able to spend one sorry yeah it's two points gets you the um cmc uh one point gets you the set and rarity two points gets you the um other piece of information and yeah it's four points for the six points sorry for the uh rules text six points six points for the rules text I thought it was four points. I feel like these numbers are going up. Hang on. Let me find Let me find my file. It'll take me two seconds to find So it'll file. take 34 points for you to get the text of the rules. 18 and a half points will get you the artist. <laughs> <laughs> if you start <laughs> I can getting... Get, I, 
I've never put the artist in there. I might make the artist available for a point. Sean will give you a point if you ask for the copyright date. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, whether it was the early copyright Wizards of the Coast or later, or the earliest ones which only had the year on them. 14 and a half points will get you whether it was a brown card, silver card, or the ugly 8th edition whitish one. <laughs> Don't forget the collector's number. Yeah, throwing away all of the points will get you the collector's number. Okay, so I've got it. I found the original document. So it is. It's always, you, you can spend a maximum of nine points. It's one point for the rarity, one point for the set, two points for the CMC, four points for the rules, one point. Ho, 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 ho. Uh, one point for if it's a creature. So, who will go? We'll start with Phil first. Oh. Well, sure, we'll start with a guest first, shall we? Yeah. Yeah, Phil can Come be on. last. So, we're going to start with you, Ben. I'll go first. We're going to okay. open the puzzle box now. There will be a sound effect for the puzzle box going, maybe. And it is the puzzle box is opened now. Okay, Ben, ten points. Okay. You have to tell me what you want to buy. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Give me the. Or you uh, could just say text. Soul Ring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't play Soul Ring in all of my EDH decks. What? Get out. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't play it in green decks. But anyways, if you hate it so uh, much, why don't you play 1v1 on Mitgo? (laughs) (laughs) It's a personal choice. Give me the rules text. So you're spending all four to start with. Okay. Whenever a non-token creature comes into play under your control, you may pay two generic mana. If you do, put a token into play that's a copy of that creature. That token has haste, and at the end of the turn, sacrifice this permanent. Oh man, I know this card. It has a mirror on it. Minion Reflector. It is Minion Reflector. Well done. Wow. Jesus. I was going to say six six points to Ben. (laughs) You know what? It sounds like we're already, I can call this one. Uh, (laughs) But you know what it it means is we're going to have to have Nate back on the show and challenge Ben. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey it, it, dumb luck <laughs> yeah I have a feeling yeah. like you get wrecked <laughs> alright so, well Shivam's next Shivam 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 I am opening the puzzle box and we are closing it uh, now okay okay uh, I will also ask for the rules text okay put seven plus one plus zero counters on this card was a creature. <laughs> well done. After this creature attacks or blocks a creature, discard a counter. Oh, you don't get the oracle text, by the way. During the untap phase, controller <laughs> may buy back lost counters for one mana per counter instead of untapping this creature. This creature then taps if it was not tapped already. Oh my god. They couldn't write words back hey, in the dude, day. This card was awesome. Okay. I want to say, oh God, can I remember which one it is? It's clockwork something, isn't it? I'm neither confirming nor denying that. Can I, and it's what, one point for the set? 
It is one point for the set. Can you give me the set? Okay, it was Alpha. Alpha. <laughs> uh, is it Clockwork Beast? It is Clockwork oh, Beast. Oh, nice! That's all right. He's only scored five, though, Ben, so you're still in the lead. No pressure, Phil. Why? How come he only got five? Because, because I also bought the set. set. Oh, you got yeah, the set. Okay. Nice, nice so job, cool. Shivam. That was amazing. Oh, dude, I love Done. that card. Was it Clockwork Beast or Clockwork <laughs> Orange? No, who knows? It's the OG. With our droogs. Okay, so Phil, we're opening the, uh, the puzzle box. It is open. We have an artifact. Now. <sighs> Give me the rules text. Okay, the rules text are, you get the flavor text as well if it has any. Morph, five generic mana. And then its flavor text is, it strode through the clash of dragons, the fall of Ugin, and the rise of Khans. Oh. Oh. Wow, I, I, was, I was like dusting off all the cards in my head, and that's actually much more recent. Mm. More five. Oh. Hold on, I... Uh, I have to answer an email real quick. <laughs> <laughs> How much to steal? Uh, it's oh. not to steal. If he doesn't get it, it goes to you, then Shivam. So we'll go around in a circle on who gets to try right. and steal it first. But I, I can still ask for more clues. I can you still can, buy yeah, more yeah. clues, right? So currently, you've spent four points. I want to buy the name of the card. That's ten points. <laughs> you have ten points to spend. Oh, you have to spend all ten at first? To get the name of the card? Yes. Oh, man, if I had known that... He's just trying to sabotage me. (laughs) Well, you guys only get one point anyway if you steal. That's true. Oh, I know this card, and I have never played it, and didn't even play it in limited because it's expensive. Here, Phil, I'll give you a hint. Have you seen Mad Max Fury Road? Uh, Is it Furiosa? (laughs) <laughs> no, I was going to say witness me. <laughs> He's witness me, me bloodbag. Uh, is it ancient witness? No. Oh, so so close. Try and steal this, Mr. Fogarty, for a point. Care. Witness of the me. ages. It is. Oh. It's a terrible card, but it's such a cool looking right? artwork. Right? Was I right? Yeah. yeah, it was. Witness of the Age of Six mana for a 4 4 artifact creature golem with more 5. No one plays this thing. No, no one plays this thing at all. So It did have some pretty dope art in it, though. Oh, yeah, man. That's that a was shame so it good. wasn't a better card. Khans was great. Okay. Yeah. Fetch lands can't beat him. Ben, Ben, Ben. We are okay. opening the puzzle box. We're doing two rounds today because there's three of you, so we don't have too much time. Uh, the, oh, the puzzle box is open now. We have an artifact now. Okay. See, I'm, I'm not going to have such good luck two times in a row. Give me the rules text again. Okay. Activated abilities of artifacts and creatures cannot be activated unless they are mana abilities. Are you kidding? Really? Damping Matrix? It is Damping Matrix. Hey, I only need to give what the puzzle box gives. It is See, truly random. that was just pure luck. That was just pure luck. <laughs> Taking a commanding lead with 13 points there, Mr. Fogarty. Good so grief. She... 
No one has ever scored 13 points before. Really? Oh, I'm sure Nate got maximum points once. Oh, yeah. He did it off the set and CMC once. Hmm. Because he was a savant. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> he'd done some pretty tricksy tricks. Okay, so the puzzle box is being opened and we generate the now. Okay, well then, let's try for... Yeah, I'm not good enough to try to go for, like, set and CMC, so I need the rules text as well. Okay, rules text. This one's a bit wordy. Three generic mana. This artifact becomes a copy of target artifact until end of turn. Then one, a blue oh. and a red. Oh, I know it. This artifact becomes a copy of target artifact and then gains this ability. Mm, this is from... <laughs> this is I know, from... I know, I know, I know. This is from... It's... The second Ravnica set. It's from Dissension. It's an is it one. It's... Oh, God, I don't... I don't remember. It's like <laughs> Niv. It's like it's some garbage. Oh, what the hell is this card called? Um, There's a red sorcery with a similar name that you know. Probably. Come on, I can steal this. Really? Uh, I yeah. wanted it. Well, he gets turned before you do, and uh, yeah, I can't. I yeah, I can't pull it out of my skull. Well, you've got more points to get? spend. I mean. Oh, do I? But I mean. I already know what set it's from. I know what the CMC. Yeah, is. I can tell you now. You've got the set wrong. It's from. Uh, it's not from oh, Detention. It's Odyssey from then. Gate, not Gatecrash. The Guild Pact. Guild Pact. That's it. Yeah. I can neither confirm nor deny that. So, Phil, are you gonna? St- are you gonna take a guess, Shiv? Uh, is, is uh, Cloudstone <laughs> Curio? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Phil, would you like to steal this? Yes, I would like to steal it for the first time ever playing oh, Sean's Puzzle Box. Damn it's it, it's... Mitzium Transreliquat. It is no! Mitzium Transreliquat. It's Mitzium, it not those, Mitzium. Like, it's he's, like, he's, he's using the, um, Italian, the Italian pronunciation. Uh, Muzio. I knew Mitzium. It was, it was like the Nivmizity type garbage and I could not pull the thing out of my skull pizza so phil i was trying to remind you of mizium mortars <laughs> yeah but it's the second word that's a hard one <laughs> yeah, yeah, trans- yeah yeah sounds like a fruit yeah everyone knows what a trans reliquat is <laughs> okay so phil just to let you know this is the final bit all right as um as the scores stand ben is in a unbeatable lead in 13 points. Congratulations, Ben. But I think more importantly, <laughs> Shivam's only on five, which means if you can score, you're on one, if you can score five or more points, Phil, you come in second. That's never happened. And you've, you've never come in second, even when there was only two of you playing. <laughs> I love how it's your show and you created a game that you can't actually win at. Oh, I nope. created the game. <laughs> Sean created it. Sean I is the one the who games. creates these these games. <laughs> We're going to do these live at Vegas too, right, Sean? We are, yes. I I'm bringing the puzzle box with me, which definitely isn't an app on my phone. <laughs> we should maybe... I, you notice I'm avoiding answering the questions right now. But you haven't opened the box yet. So the box is, uh, we're shaking the box. Oh, can you hear it going? Isn't it a beautiful machine? And the box is open now. 
All right. Give me the rules text, please. And oh, I'm so, my fingers are crossed for <laughs> tap. I just read Add colorless, colorless to your mana pool. <laughs> no. <laughs> the puzzle box, though it is random, does know its audience. <laughs> rules text. Infect. This creature has infect. When this creature enters the battlefield, you may return target creature card of infect from your graveyard to your hand. <laughs> Are you serious? You have given me an infect card? I didn't. <laughs> you were... <laughs> that is messed up. That is so messed up. I swear. Up. We are going to run so late every episode from now on that we'll never do this game again. <laughs> are you giving up? Oh, no. It's uh. <laughs> so I'll remind you again. It is a uh, infect. We all know what that means. When this creature enters the battlefield, you may return target creature with infect from your graveyard to your hand. Phil, you can still afford. You've only spent four points. Do you I can hear still afford to spend another point. Spoilers: This is what you want to call Sean right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shivam knows it. Oh, <laughs> Plague Mirror. Nope, that's the Remember, mana. Dude, Phil, or... all the mirrors tap for mana. Yeah. yeah. Come on, let me yeah, guess. Let me guess. Mine. Let me guess. Oh, you already won. Let me try it. I'm never going to get it. But you should give it to Shivam. Shivam, you know what it is. And I was I was thinking first, is it Ickerclawmere? But no, that's the one that gets pumped if it blocks. And you're right. I have to accept your first answer, though. I, I didn't say that. <laughs> Corpsker. It's Corpsker. It is Corpsker. Yep. It's your I little infected dog robot. It's H.R. Geiger's dog on the artwork. Or well, H.R. Giga, sorry, saying his name incorrectly. Yeah. My God. Um, Pete Venters, you were watching a lot of Alien when you designed the art for that card. Oh, yeah, dude. This, this thing sticks in your head. It's not even that good of a card, but when you look at it, it's just some creepy nonsense going on. Yeah, it's good art. And it's also a cur. This card is in a deck I am taking to Vegas. Oh, Genuinely. Come on. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm, it's my first ever Vorthos theme deck, and there's a whole episode going to be coming out at some point about it that I recorded with Robin Cass. But wow. anyway, the winner is Ben Fogarty. I can't believe you had the chance to steal and didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 wa I wanted to give it to you. I could tell you you wanted I can't it believe so that. Nate's gone, but we got someone else that appears to know every artifact ever printed. <laughs> Not just every artifact. Remember, he pulled out that infinite combo with Bee Sting, and we didn't rehearse that. No, that that was amazing. Like, I'm just gobsmacked. <laughs> well, next time we'll play Wheel of Walkers. Yes, yes. Yeah, Wheel wait. of Walkers. Oh, I love that. I've waited to play <laughs> oh, that Wheel of game Walkers my whole life. in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but let me come back on the show just uh, just for that part of it. I won't have to do the rest of it with you. Well, you're going to be in Vegas, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, awesome. I was going to write a, uh, a... There's a long English tradition of the pub quiz, 
Well, you know, where you yes, sit around is. and there's some prizes and you sit in teams. I was going to write a magic pub quiz. To yes, do I'm in. Dude, I love trivia so much. Okay, well, what I'll have to do is I'll have to Skype you in, Shivam, set you on a laptop. We need to do like an all games episode where we do trivia and fun puzzle games like this. I think it would be super cool. Oh, I could yeah. do that. That's my wheelhouse. <laughs> like the Windmill Slam guys do, the Irish guys. I don't know if you guys watch their show. Yeah, no, they're really nice, actually. I I definitely do. Yeah, I like Windmillionaire. Hmm. Ben, thank you for coming on the show. Shivam, I don't even think we should thank you anymore for coming on the show. No, but thank shouldn't. you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> He's just on the show now. <laughs> Look, man, I'm just here to drain your audience away. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Damn liberals. Coming on here with our agenda. Ben, thank you for taking the time out. I know, like, right now it's 2 a.m. where you are. It's murder, but thanks for taking the time out. Sure, happy to do it. It's been a pleasure, sir. No, this was actually a really, really interesting episode, and I'm actually glad that we got a chance to do this, because I think this is something that magic people don't really talk about that often, and we probably should do more, because people getting their decks stolen sucks. You're not wrong. Yeah, it really does. Definitely. Ben, how can people reach you if you if they want to ask a few more questions or just talk to you? As you know, Phil, I'm on Twitter at EDH underscore brewmaster because we talk on there quite a lot. And uh, I'm also on Tapped Out as uh, Eternal Brewmaster. I like brewing. Oh, excellent. I think the first time I realized that EDH Brewmaster was you was uh, when you had an, an, a, a classic interaction with Jason Alt. Oh, really? Oh, did he tell you to F off or anything? He said something like, well, the EDH Brewmaster has told me how to do something. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> he did say that. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it was, it's classic. My name on Twitter is Fen Bogarty to be uh, sneaky, so it's you might not be able to tell it's me. Security and layers. Yeah. We hope this episode has been valuable for everybody, as Shivam has said. Thanks for hanging out with us until the end, folks. This was a lot of fun, even though it ended on a Sean's Puzzle Box. <sighs> <laughs> no, I, I, of course, I, I tease Sean about that, but I love that game, even if I can't play it worth anything. <laughs> Remember, folks, especially patrons, like Ben, without your support, this episode wouldn't have happened. And that is no joke. That's not hyperbole. This wouldn't have happened. If you want to support the podcast, head over to patreon.com slash commander and MTG and, you know, give us a buck a show or so. And don't forget to give us a five-star review on iTunes. We love talking to everybody. We're going to have such a blast at Vegas because we're going to run into so many listeners. We're going to hang out with them. We're going to play games with them. And I think for both me and Sean, if you play games with us when you play, you're just going to sign our playmats. And how cool is that? Don't want to forget this. We'll also have playmats there, and we'll probably be doing some prize giveaways now and again, but also for sale, to be clear. So come on by. Yeah, I know. It never stops. And we're incredibly grateful to all of our patrons like Connor Mullen and Chad name is mysterious he has no last name and david mitchell who not only is joining us on the ten dollar 
donation Facebook chat group that we run and that, of course, Ben is part of. But he's also donating at the level needed to dictate his own topics for Commander an episode and appear on it. And we're already working that out. And thank you so much, David. That is incredibly generous. So everybody else, come play test with us and, uh, again, join our patron chat group by donating $10 per episode. And can I do uh, one shout-out before we go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I just wanted to shout-out this thing that's been going on for the past six months or so called the MTG Bracket on Tumblr and on Twitter. It's a person is running a full bracket on every card in Magic, and you, you every day you get 20 of them, and they're laid out uh, two by two, and you decide which of these two cards you like better. And they're all completely random, like literally every card in Magic. And it's always like weird things like here's a 7-7 seven, seven vanilla card lined up against, uh, you know, High Tide or something. And it's always fun. It's like super interesting to sit there and just try to decide which of these two completely random cards you think is more interesting. And we're still, I think, in the round of 16,820 or something like that. And he's going to try to whittle it down all the way to the best, most popular magic card of the whole lot. And if you don't check it out, it's worth your time to go poke around MTG brackets and just look at that. I think there's a thread on the Reddit, everything as well. But it's it's super fun and super interesting to just see whether you like Juggernaut more or you like Stone Throwing Devils more. <laughs> it's it's like oh. I've discovered so many super uh, interesting cards for EDH from this. It's just like, it's fantastic. I totally recommend you check it out. And the answer is clearly Stone Throwing Devils. Oh yeah, dude, those cards are good. <laughs> it's baller, man. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> You're not going to get me that easily, Watson. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, you can wait. reach us by going to our website at commanderandmtg.com. I'm not waiting. Our email is <laughs> cast at commanderandmtg.com. And don't forget to send your resumes for why you should be on the rules committee into cast at commanderandmtg.com. Oh, and the style you would like me to read them out in. Yes. We are going to read those. That's a, probably a good activity for one of the live streams at Vegas, isn't it? You can find us on all the social media by searching for Commander and MTG Podcast. Individually, on Twitter, I'm at Ketchak, and this is our complaint Twitter coming up next. Oh, I'm at Copane26. Yes, I forgot I'm the complaints guy. <laughs> and uh, I'm at Electrotel. And if you guys like hearing me on this show, be sure to let these <laughs> other two jokers know. <laughs> I like it. I like hearing you. Ben, would you take us out? Sure. And that's the way it was. <laughs> <laughs> I awesome. like the unexpected ones. <laughs> <laughs>
Mandarin. Sean. <laughs> 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 Leopold can go to hell forever. <laughs>